Okay, we're rolling. It is July 27th, 2023 on the prayer list. Uh, a lady named Shelly uh, over from Bland and, and even her husband too. I think his name's Robbie. Uh, forgive me if that's the wrong name, but they're both in some serious health concerns. Um, Ellis Hunley is uh, doing this fight in a good fight and getting getting a little treatment here, a little treatment there, and the next thing you know, he's hunting and fishing. So he's hanging in there. Marta and Charles and for Sebron, for Marta and Charles' uh, trucking business and for Sebron for uh, plenty of influence and, and shared custody of his children. Marcos, for his son, Salvation, and for his family, John and Ruby and Vassie and Linda, other prayer team members, Gail, Pack and Janice, uh, Surratt, Blair, and Lady Kathleen from California that sees our list and often prays with us. We're praying for Mrs. Davis, the loss of her husband Leonard, our Reverend Davis, our children, and our grandchildren. Pray for Mike for just peace regarding losing his sister. I pray God that along with my brother Bob for that also unsaved family members up north and people in Europe and our government leaders so called for Larry McCoy that God will just bless him and uh, let him perhaps find work close here so that he's back close to family and back to his roots Frank Wingo and uh, had, has had knee trouble Dorothy has had back trouble. Eric, Rex, Ted, John, persecuted Christians, other unsaved family members. And um, this is uh, Moore. Uh, Brandon Moore. And uh, for health situations. And uh, she's taking some treatments. Let's just pray that only the good that God would have would be done. Ray praying for lost loved ones. And answer all the prayer requests that we put out all the time. There's okay. so many you can't name them all. That's true, that's a fact. Alright, now we to reach over the table with the Holy Spirit's with us. And uh, Heavenly Father God, we thank you for this time. We praise you, Lord, that that you come into our situation and we just thank you for the blessings that we find that we could call out to the one who made us. I pray your special blessing on this little boy here, Eli. Be with us tonight and teach us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 That's right. When I was eating pizza earlier, I forced and I ate before everybody got her because he had to go to work. I was sitting there eating that pizza. And Eli walked up and said, Is it good? <laughs> this is plain as day. Is it good? And I said, Yeah, it's good. And he said, Pizza. And turned around and walked off. He sure is. So let's um, look at a verse in Matthew chapter 1. That's going to be verse 17. Since through all the generations from Abraham to David are fourteen generations, and from David until the carrying away into Babylon are fourteen generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are fourteen generations. 
There's three ways to understand the generations in the Bible. There's a 40-year one, there's a 70, and there's actually a 100. A 100. And, and that comes out of Genesis 15, if you look at Genesis chapter 15. Some people don't hold this view, but a straight reading of it would seem to support this view. Um, Genesis chapter 15 and verse 13. This is Abram. He wasn't Abraham yet. God had not anointed him as of yet and changed his name to Abraham. So here he is, Abram. And he said, this is God speaking, He said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. This is a prophecy from God about the captivity in Egypt of the Hebrew people. They shall afflict them four hundred years. So um, then I'll just go on through to verse 16, but here's 14. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. God would send the Hebrew people out of Egypt with great substance. Verse 15, And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. Abraham would live a long time. Verse 16, But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. The fourth generation. 400 years in the fourth generation. And a generation perhaps being in this instance, in this instance, 100 years. You don't want to die on that hill, but I see why people would would think that. Flip over to Genesis 22. Uh, I think it's going to be verse 17 and 18. Thank you, babe. That in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And it says, And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham's seed would be blessed. What about Genesis uh, chapter 21 and verse 5? And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. Now, it, it said that a generation ends and the next one begins when you have a child, when you have a son. So, you know, people weren't, back in this time, lived to be 100 was no problem. 
now. Uh, it says you got three, three score and ten, or if by strength, four score, 80 years. Although we know plenty of people who live well into their 90s. Jerry's dad did, and um, Ray's mother did, and if by strength. But I tell you what, having a ripe old age and a long life, the Bible is the key. Believe in the Word of God. Reading and understanding by His Holy Spirit. Okay, now let's look at Deuteronomy 28. And I'm not going to read all of that. But you will get the gist of it. Chapter 28 starts out by the promises that would be given to His people if they would obey the blessings of obedience. Is that Papa Jerry's hat? You might want to give him that hat. Or is that... Who's... It says Navy. But anyway, there's 14 verses of the blessings. And then from verse 15 all the way to verse 68 are the curses for not being obedient to God, for disobeying Him, for following after other gods. And I'll just read a few of the verses. I definitely don't want to read it all because it just make you depressed. <laughs> but it shall come to pass, is verse 15, Deuteronomy 28, but it shall come to pass if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe, to do all His commandments and His statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. You're going to have these curses put on you. Cursed shall thou be in the city, and cursed shall thou be in the field. Cursed shall be thy basket and thy store. You're not going to have enough food. Cursed shall be the fruit of the body. Even your children will, will be cursed. And the fruit of thy land, the increase of thy kin, and the flocks of thy sheep. Stand by. Hey, babe, we need Eli retrieved. Uh-huh. <laughs> Eli, go see Grandma. Love you. Verse 19, Cursed shall thou be when thou comest in, and cursed shall thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke in all that thou settest thy hands unto, for to do, until thou be destroyed, and until thou perish quickly, because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou hast forsaken me. The Lord shall make thee pestilence cleave unto thee, diseases, until he have consumed thee from off the land, whither thou goest to possess it. The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption, and with a fever, and with an inflammation, and with an extreme burning, and with the sword, and with blasting. I don't know what that is. And with mildew. I do know what that is. And they shall pursue thee until thou perish. It goes on and on and on, and it's not pretty. 
calls it plant disease when it blastates. Yeah. It's a little caveat there that says plant disease. So your crops. your crops would be diseased. Yeah. Well, um, that is if you disobey. Now, let's look at Exodus chapter 20. Yeah, I think that, and I, I looked into this today, depending on where you are in the timeline, in the continuum, the generation may change. What is a generation? Christ talked about the this generation shall not pass um, and we until you've seen these things fulfilled. He's talking about the church age. Some people think when you see Israel restored, and that's 1948 but I mean it it was 70 years in 2018 Uh, wouldn't be 80 years until 2028 but if yeah but it says that if that generation shall not all pass before all these things take place so even though it's that generation that was born at that time there will still be people alive from that generation before everything culminates yes We've got to keep those people alive as long as we can. <laughs> um, Exodus 20, verses 5 and 6. says, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord God, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments generational curses and how to break that generational curse I'm listening to an audio book you can get it on it in paperback um it's called It Did Not Start With You. And this has been an, an eye-opener. Big time. Um, they did a study using mice. And mice have a lot of the same genetic material that we have. Now, you know in the DNA, have you ever heard the term junk DNA? The scientists can't understand it, so they're going to call it junk. God doesn't design junk. They don't understand it. They took some mice, males, and they exposed them to... um, a scent of like a rose type flower a sweet smelling beautiful scent but every time they smelled that they got shocked the bottom of the cage juiced them 
and they jumped. And after a few times, they didn't even have to shock them. They would move, put something in, in front of their face with that smell. And it's just like Pavlov's dog, it triggered a behavior and they jumped. Even though they weren't being shocked, they still jumped. And here's where it gets interesting. They took those male mice that had been conditioned to jump at that scent of that flower. And they took sperm from those males and they implanted it into females who weren't even part of that group, who had never been conditioned or shown that flower or shocked or anything. And those females had the babies. And when the babies were old enough, they exposed them to that scent and they all reacted to it. There's your junk DNA. It's not junk. That is a survival skill. You know, in my second book, I, I talked about how a, there are certain sounds or smells or other things that trigger danger and will be handed down through the strains of DNA that people are still, they're trying to still understand it. You can change your DNA simply by experiencing something. Simply by experiencing something. And when you procreate after having changed that DNA, then that information travels along to your offspring. I put the hiss of a rattlesnake's tail or the roar of a, a mountain lion and I said, and in the last 80 to 100 years, the racking metallic slide of a pump shotgun. You don't have to be taught that something bad could be ready to happen. People know this isn't good. It's handed, to, even if your, your parents just watched a movie and they saw somebody using a shotgun killing people with it. You sell that sound. And then Hollywood really plays it up, too. I like that Sylvester Stallone movie called Cobra. And there's a scene in the grocery store, that guy's racking that slide. It imparts fear. And that is a good thing. You are handing down a skill or knowledge to your offspring, like if you hear this sound, that means danger. And in the case of the mice, like if you smell this certain smell, that's dangerous. That's a bad thing. That means get away. I noticed in my own lifetime, when I was a kid, crows would be picking a dead rabbit in the middle of the road. And uh, you come driving along two-lane highway, it'd fly 50, 80 yards over into the field. So you went by and then come back, back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> Probably using up more <coughs> calories doing that than he's getting out of the carcass. But at some point, they stopped flying into the field. They went hop, hop over the line and sat there. 
just over the line, just off the asphalt. I've seen them on the interstate go over the white line and just sit there until you go by. One thing I don't understand is why buzzers don't just pick that carcass up and get it off of the road and then eat it. Can they not do that? Maybe they can't do it. Uh, you know, it's interesting that you're bringing this up because of some of this irrational behavior you're starting to see in young people. Well, where did that stuff start coming from? I mean, this transgenderism, I'm sure there's a great big segue you can get involved with that. Where did they learn that? Little bits and pieces from some of the crap they watched early on in the yes, 60s, um, 70s, you know, and that pretty soon it's translated in a, in today's generation to some really abhorrent... It's impressing it on their, on their minds. So you think that's the, something that could be altered to DNA? Um, yeah. The, the coded DNA is sending along information and that your offspring would act a certain way. Now, you, you know, you'll say, well, alcoholism runs in that family. Uh, this is coded and sent along. Like, have a beer, they're good. Have two, they're even better. Have a case. Um, Interestingly, on the study with the mice, you know what they said? They said that um, it took three and sometimes four generations before that reaction went away, jumping when they smelled that flower. To the third and the fourth generation, see a generation of mice, they, they breed quick, live quick and die. So it was real easy to watch how it would happen. And Jerry, you watched a documentary on getting, taming a fox. Air Force did that. And it took three or four generations? Seven. Seven with Case the Fox. Before they, they were domesticated. But, um, and that really struck me when I heard this man doing the book say that. And I was very happy later on to hear him say, and yes, it says, interestingly enough, in the Bible, that God would visit the iniquity on the, of the fathers upon the children of the third and the fourth generation of those who hate Him, but showing mercy unto thousands of them that love Me and keep My commandments. Again, Exodus 20, <laughs> verses 5 and 6. The study was done... And this is this psychologist who really has developed this understanding. It's his own patients. He had a, a woman 39 years old that was suicidal. She didn't want to live. And she kept telling him, I want to be vaporized. I want to incinerate. I want to be incinerated. And she had even picked out a steel mill somewhere where she planned on sneaking in and jumping into that pit, that big boiling cauldron of, <coughs> of red-hot liquid steel. That's how she was going to die. And she said vaporized and incinerated. That's what she wanted. And she was going to do it before she was 40. He asked her about her parents 
figuring something has triggered this in her. But no, good relationships, no problems. What about your, your, your grandparents? Well, my, my grandmother was a Holocaust survivor, she said. And she was the only, they were Polish. She was the only one of that family that lived. And the rest of them were rounded up and hauled off to Auschwitz. Where they were vaporized with gas and then incinerated. So that little girl, her grandmother, knew this and perhaps even had survivor's guilt. And it just came to sit heavy on her heart through the DNA that her grandmother handed down through those generations and there it landed, it lands with her and she's acting on it in the wrong way because of what is called inherited trauma inherited trauma the Bible shows us a way out the Bible shows us that um, you can stop that curse there was another another last she was 24 25 she's cutting herself deep cutting herself bad and um, she kept talking about blood and she through questioning and they even had to go and ask her parents about their parents because she didn't know them that well Her grandfather killed a man with a knife and somehow got away with it and served no time. <clears throat> and they didn't give the details of, I don't know if it was a self-defense or maybe or crime of passion, maybe, who knows. He killed a man with a knife. She didn't know about that until she learned of it. And when she learned of it, she felt as though he shouldn't have gotten away with that. it all began to come into focus and she let go of that tendency to and, and the fellow said she was cutting herself really deep it wasn't like a little scratch and she nearly bled to death a couple of times but through understanding that she had inherited a trauma from another family member maybe her grandmother thought you know he shouldn't have been set free for murder. He shouldn't have been. So I think by understanding what we're, the, the life we're living, when Jesus looked at these Pharisees, he, he said, you did this. You killed the prophets. You stoned the ones I sent to you. And they could easily say, well, I wasn't there. But he said, you. And the DNA that's handed down to them did do that. The family structure is critical to understand, I think. 
if you can. I mean, there's people who don't know. I mean, they were adopted and they don't know who their natural parents were. But the... I'll look at uh, Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. I wrote that down. I don't know why. I I wanted to share it. It says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love Him, and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. Love God, keep His commandments as best you're able. He knows you're not perfect. And you will have mercy. See, I think when, when, when someone has not really taken the Word of God seriously, they're in a bad situation trying to get through this world. I wrote down Numbers 14 and 18. I do think that's just another place where he emphasizes that generational curse that happens. And is, is, is God just following along to your children and cursing them and causing them to have all these problems? He doesn't have to do that. They're going to automatically do it until they turn to Him. Verse 18 of Deuteronomy 14, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. And that's how it was with those mice that are more genetically similar than you'd think according to what the book said. But he's long-suffering. Great mercy. Forgiving iniquity and transgression. Gotta love him. Gotta try to keep his commands. And if you love him, you will try to keep his commands. Think of a person that you love. If I love my wife, and I know she doesn't want me to throw a wet towel on the bed, I will make an effort not to throw a wet towel on the bed. Um, and that's how it is with us and the Lord. We know what He, he expects of us. And you will accidentally foul up from time to time. And he understands that. And 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So, the byproducts of that generational curse, by reading all those last verses of Deuteronomy 28, verses 15 through 68. And again, it would take too long. If you want to read them on your own time, it's probably not a bad idea. Poverty, disease, divorce, child abuse, sexual abuse, domestic violence, alcoholism, drug addiction, adultery, immorality, perversions. And don't we see perversions today? Depression, fear, and anxiety. But the um, thesis of this book is that Knowing where it came from and understanding it sucks the power out of it. It no longer...
troubles you like it did. You know, I've been very uh, critical of my own mother all these years. Now, she took her own life uh, when I was 18. She hadn't been at the house, though, for years prior to that. What was handed down to her, what was done to her that then manifested itself in her behavior? I'm not saying we're not responsible for our behavior. God's not saying that either. He says He will by no means clear the guilty. But at least you see the reason for it. You see, perhaps, what took place. And Satan is so clever at blocking the truth of God's Word and the salvation of Christ and the the spiritual healing that so many people need. Satan diverts doesn't, I mean, I was watching these different clips of CNN. And a ball player would say something like, I must thank above all Jesus Christ. He's my Lord. Oh, we lost the feed. I'm so sorry we lost the feed. They do it all the time. They do not want the name of Jesus Christ lifted up. Yeah. mind control you think after you're born again that generational curses eliminated I think if you well let's let's go to that yes let's look at Hebrews chapter 9 man what does wife to make him pot of coffee and she said that's your job it says right there in the Bible, Hebrews. <laughs> Hebrews 9, verse 22, says that almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood there's no remission. So, the shedding of blood all through the Old Testament Animals, innocent animals, deemed perfect without blemish. All pictures of Jesus Christ, that He would ultimately fulfill that. Shedding innocent blood, okay, your sins are forgiven for the time being. For the time being, they're forgiven. Until next time, you need to sacrifice something. Christ was the once for all sacrifice. We're in Hebrews, look at chapter 10. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more consciousness of sin, but they did. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Every year, you got to go do it. 
For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, this is Christ, he saith, sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offerings, and burnt offerings, and offering for sin, thou wouldst not, neither has pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come, to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Does that blood suffice? Does that blood remove the curse? I think so. If you're truly born again, the blood removes the curse. Some people do not become born again until they're at death's door. In the dying moments, God gave the thief on the cross an opportunity when he called out to him. But as we live proclaiming Christ, we should cease all premeditated sin and not do something Don't throw the wet towel on the bed if you claim to love your wife. And don't do the things that that God says don't do if you claim to love Him. There are a lot of false Christians out there. You know, we see in uh, Matthew 7. um, Right around verse 21 maybe, I think it is. Matthew 7 and 21 Jesus said not everyone that saith unto me Lord, Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven are you doing God's will are you making sure you don't throw the wet towel on the bed or if you do do you quickly repent remove it and try to make things right if you do it incessantly, if you do what he says not to do incessantly, if you lie and you can't seem to stop lying, knowing that God hates a liar and that Satan is the author of lies, if you keep doing that, you don't really have any evidence that you're changed. You don't have any evidence that you love God. We will all do the wrong thing once in a while. But the common thing you'll see from a true believer is they will want to make that right. First, they'll repent of it to the Lord, and if anybody has seen them do what they did wrong, they need to go and confess that one to another. You know, I really did the wrong thing here. You know, I I went against what God's expectations were. Verse 22 of Matthew 7. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? 
and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Iniquity and sin. They seem to be separate things because in one of the Psalms, David refers to his sins and his iniquities. I looked into it at one point in the past and the conclusion that I personally came to, and you can take this or leave it, but sin is like bugs on the windshield. You can't help but get bugs on your windshield driving down the road this time of year. You got to clean them off though. First John 1 9, clean them off, confess them, get them off of there. You know, uh, I sinned. Uh, I lusted. I saw a woman and I lusted. I sinned. You know, I got mad at Walmart and they wouldn't wouldn't warranty my chainsaw and went back over and bought the exact same one, put the broken one in the box and went and got my money back. Is that God's idea? Probably not. You know, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be wronged than to do this stuff? Taking your brothers or sisters to court. You know, it tells us in Romans 3 that we have all sinned and fallen short. of the glory of God. But the bloodline is where this generational curse comes from. It's also where the generational helps come from. It's a rattlesnake. You better run. Never seen one. Never heard of one. I just know that that sounds bad and I'm getting out of here. That's the way that works for your betterment. I think almost all humanity is instinctively afraid of snakes. Even a little garter snake, people are repelled by it. And again, these can be good things. I'd often wondered how people realize which mushrooms you could eat and which ones you couldn't. Do they pick a bunch of them and feed it to their animals and see which ones died and which ones didn't? That probably didn't work all the time because a lot of animals can eat that stuff and it don't bother them and then humans will die. Is there information in the strands of DNA that help us know what to eat and what not to eat? Maybe so. Possibly so. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. <clears throat> Start about verse... Nine, know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? You know, as Paul wrote these letters to the Corinthians, there seem to be a lot of warnings to people who are don't have both feet in the cart yet. 
they're not born again yet. I spent a fair bit of time professing to be a Christian and didn't know I wasn't where I needed to be until I did get where I needed to be. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. You're going to see that translated as homosexual. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you are washed, you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Those behaviors then should stop. Paul obviously realized they had not stopped, at least not entirely. So he said, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God being a drunkard or an extortioner or a thief sexual pervert adulterer being an idolater he tells us in Colossians that that, that idolatry it's it's like uh, covetousness it's idol worship you were washed you are washed it says you're sanctified you're just it's basically saying so start acting like it verse 12 is interesting all things are lawful unto me but all things are not expedient see we're not under the law anymore and that teaching could not be more clearly stated through so much of the new testament yet you've got people out there that satan has fully deceived into thinking that they need to keep the law and they need to do the Hebrew feasts and they need to do all that stuff in order to be saved. All you have to do in order to be saved is accept what Christ has done for you and appreciate it. Love Him for it. And if He says don't throw a wet towel on the bed, don't throw a wet towel on the bed. Aren't you just kind of saying, I don't care what you think. I don't care about you. I don't really, I don't really love you. you. You've asked me not to do this and such, and I'm going to go ahead and do it. That's not love, is it? All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things aren't good for you. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Okay, let's take the drunkard. Let's say you're an alcoholic. Lost power. That's it, Paul. Let's hope. The EMP. <laughs> okay, unimpeded. Thank you, God, that the power is back on. I pray for all those that might be affected in areas where it doesn't come back on so easily that they may find comfort in some way. Thank you for these things, these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> So, um, 
All things are lawful. So you can keep on being a drunkard. That's not going to condemn you to, to hell, but you're certainly going to get chastened. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, you should inherit that right now. It's a way of life. It's a, it's a fellowship of believers in the church and their connection to Christ, the head. See, part of living in the kingdom right now is you get to ask the Lord whatever certain things you'd like. And if you have been pleasing in His sight and acted appropriately, He'll give it to you. He said, whatever you ask, I'm going to give it to you. He said, if you ask it in my name, I'll give it to you. And people say, oh, in Jesus' name, I want a new Cadillac. If that is how you're thinking, you're not where you need to be in Christ. Verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 6, it says, meats for the belly and the belly for meats. Okay, I have an appetite for a certain thing. Maybe it's not meat. Maybe, you know, the meats, it's just a phrase that they would use, meats for the belly and belly for the meats. Well, I, I've got an unrequited sex drive. Why can't I go out to the, to the Las Vegas Strip and just get what I want because I have that desire? He says, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. Now when they got married in the Old Testament times, well, they went down to see uh, Sheriff Andy Taylor, also Justice of the Peace, and they got their little license. No, they didn't. There was no such thing, right? What constituted marriage? The Consummation Act. The two become one flesh. You see that here. Once you were with a woman in, those, in that time, you took a wife. It was that simple. And if you took another woman after her, you're fornicated, you're an adulterer. But these sins have been blotted out. And the generational curses can go away with a turn of phrase of the Word of God. We are under the blood of Christ. Yes, in our bloodlines, there are many things. Some things we're thankful for. Many things we wish weren't there. And they can influence us to have different behaviors. Many not good behaviors. Understand where it came from. See, in the same way that your ancestors could change their DNA as a reaction to a traumatic event, you can change that coding on yours too. At any age, you say, I am not this anymore. 
stop reading me this phrase over and over that I'm worthless and I'll never amount to anything. Don't read me that anymore. It's been blotted away by the blood of Christ and in His sight, I am loved. Let's see how far in we are here. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. I'm going to take Reverend Davis's question. Yeah. Bless his soul. Amen. Um, when um, after the flood, when Shem, Ham, and Japhus, especially Ham, discovered the body or the nakedness of his father, um, and then his brothers, Shem and Japheth, backed in there and covered him up, supposedly, with, without looking at him. Yeah. Uh, when, when Noah pronounced uh, blessings on his children, he gave uh, Ham a curse, but it was to Canaan, who was his son. Um, and he said, your, your, your seed will be servants from now on. So, doesn't this kind of run in, in kind of the same strain that we're talking about? And also, uh, the same thing basically happened to uh, Esau. Uh, Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. And even though Esau prospered and was a rich man, he, it says that he sought repentance but couldn't find it. Uh, though he sought it with tears, he couldn't find it. Right. So, that's a generational curse. Uh, so is Ham. And, and his, Ham doesn't seem to be cursed, but his son was. And evidently his prodigy was after that. Yes. You thought of that? Or how does that play into this whole thing? Well, Noah was pure in his generations. That's why he was put in charge of the ark. The... Um, the wives that his sons took and didn't say they were. Um, Not the wives. Hmm? Not their wives. Maybe they were good for the most part, but... Um, the curses that we inherit from our ancestors um again can be set aside Esau did repent Jacob have I loved Esau have I hated you know in the New Testament the Greek is hated meseo it just means I didn't choose him I, did, I chose him but not that one and, and it, he even uses that you know you are to hate your mother and father and choose him right but that hate is meseo don't choose your mother and father over me doesn't mean you despise your mother and father. He says, in fact, you know, to, to um, honor your parents, right? But not above God. So, whatever besets us, or as we counsel loved ones, whatever troubles them, talk to them about it. There may be a clue in the language according to the fellow Mark Wallen who has written this book it didn't start with him um, just like the woman 
whose grandmother had been a survivor of the Holocaust. She was using vaporized and incinerated and didn't know why. Somehow those those two words had just come to her. And apparently just heavy guilt about having survived, still living. You know, that's a big problem. So they call it survivor's guilt. You know, and men on the battlefield. You know, the only one that made it in. I guess that happened to you on some of them boats, wasn't it? Well, yeah, you know, you, you stuck with some of these memories and you smell certain things and hear certain things. And yeah. Like fireworks or like um, diesel diesel smoke because the boats were always running and they producing that. And uh, yeah. uh, these starburst uh, things, you, you know, they light the sky. They go up and they shoot at the starburst and it would float down and light the whole area. Yeah, yeah. For about five or ten minutes yeah. and, and uh, things like that, but uh, I think you grow out of it. Well, you, I guess you just reason, you know, through reason. You, there was a, I told you about him, a Vietnam veteran that um, had gotten shrapnel in one of his legs over there, and he had to come home off the battlefield, and he became a medical doctor, and this was. You know, 20 years after the fact, he was in New York, I think it was, maybe. Um, and he felt all that pain again, instantly, just like he had just been hit. He was walking with his wife down a sidewalk. And he had to sit down. He said, I can't believe this. It's like my leg has been hit again, like this before. And the pain was real. And his wife said, do you think it has anything to do with that helicopter. The helicopter just gone right over low and um, he realized that had to be it. It put my mind back 20 years, just that trigger. Even though the enemy didn't have helicopters, it still brought it Just reminded him of yeah. Yeah, maybe being medevaced out. Well, um, yeah, I've known uh, several people that um, seem to have a generational curse. Uh, their, uh, their, their father was an alcoholic and died of it. Yeah. Then they became alcoholics and died of it. Then their sons became alcoholics and died of it. It's almost like uh, hell bent on destruction because just like you said, this person wants to be vaporized, but why? Because that's, you know, like you say, a survivor's instinct or something. But, Guilt, yeah. But, uh, but, you know, they didn't deserve it. The person in front of them that got that didn't deserve it. Why would you want it? And you don't deserve it either. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like a built-in destructive force. And that, we're also dealing with familiar spirits, evil spirits, yeah, demons that come around and say you know you you know you want another drink you know you want this you just go on ahead it won't hurt a thing and to heck with what everybody says and yeah your father and your grandfather died from it but you won't you'll still be able to live on and and, and they lied satan lies did that woman have a little common problem yeah i was thinking yeah. about all this the body is made up of spirit 
the body and the soul. Yes. But when you're gone, you leave your body and your spirit goes. Yes. Well, where's all this DNA? It's in the body, right? You leave it behind, I guess. And that's why God says that I'll remember your sins no more. They're gone. They're going to stay here. Well, yeah. yeah, he remembers our sins no more because of Calvary. Because yeah. uh, I was just reading today in, in John uh, 14th or 14th chapter, 15th, somewhere in there. And it said that uh, now his judgment falls when actually when, when uh, uh, Judas had betrayed him, took the sop and went out and said, the devil, and he said, now is judgment. Judgment. What judgment? The judgment of the world and Christ. You know, that's when you become clean. When he gave his life, and the sad part about it is people that know Christ, don't know Christ, their sins are paid for. And they're going to go to hell because oh, they didn't sure. confess. They don't, they don't receive it. you got to receive it. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like this minister one time said the, the warden of the prison is throwing all the doors open. And uh, you're free to leave. And that some people would just sit there. You know? And how, do I, how do you know for sure that, that I, I can leave? You know? Yeah, yeah. There's there must two, be a trap. There's two or three scenarios that you yeah. need for that. It's pretty cool. You know, you know what, what is, what, they're just going to get me and bring me back. Or, yeah, or this isn't real. or yeah. I don't know what I'd do out there. Yeah. I'm comfortable here. You know, uh, one one fellow in that sermon said, uh, "Who said? Who'd you say set me free? The warden said, there's no warden. There's not a warden. I'm waiting on the king of the ocean to get me out of here. That's you know, just screwed up. Reli- <laughs> yeah, screwed up religion. Yeah, you're right. Okay, uh, we're a little over an hour in. Uh, Let's have Ray close us tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can meet together in your name. Pray you bless each and every one here. Help us to learn and understand and ponder on your word and understand the deep, true, hidden meanings, the dark things that we don't see and understand. Bless each and every one here. Keep us safe until we meet again. Dear God, thank you for all your money, wonderful blessings. Bless Osa, where yes, it is. Yes, dear Osa. Bless each and every one of us, and we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Hey, I got a. Let's